1: This is the Book Ride podcast, a weekly news and talk show about what's new, cool and worth talking about in the world of books and reading. This is episode 250. Ooh. We're recording on Friday, March 2nd, 2018. I'm Jeff O'Neill. I'm here with Ramanda, Amanda Nelson. We're coming to you from bookride.com. Romanda. <laughs> Romanda Demand Amanda. We
0: are
1: 1%. person. <laughs> yeah, um, Rebecca is out sick, so Amanda gamely stepped in. She is managing every Book Ride and host co-host of the Get Booked podcast, which you haven't heard of, haven't listened to, you should check out where Amanda and Jen Norlington take on your specific book recommendation requests and deal with them with um, Joie de vivre and the plume. Um,
0: <laughs> with a lot of sorry. Frenchiness. Is what we yeah,
1: yeah. It's very, it's not quite as a Francophile as I made it. It's really not. But yeah, they're every week comes, those shows come out on Thursdays. Yeah. yeah is that right? I, I Usually, check them out over the weekend, so I'm not really sure what day they come out on. And you guys are up there on your episode count, too, we right? Are. You've we're on 20 plus yeah, something.
0: I think we just did mm-hmm. episode 120. So, yeah, yeah. we're gonna celebrate so that's, in March. Uh, well, it is March this month. We're gonna do a special episode <laughs> of uh, Neil Gaiman read alikes. So, keep an eye oh. out for that. That'll
1: be fun. And can, then you'll just never do another Neil Gaiman read alike request ever Probably, again. Like, I know yeah. you guys like have a sort of like, uh, a hall of fame where if you request or uh, recommend a book, what three times, three times. It's, you just don't recommend it anymore in a
0: year. So
1: oh, in a year. Yes. Yeah,
0: right. So 2017 is over. We can talk about you know the Sorcerer to the crown again,
1: <laughs> but only three <laughs> more times. That's the one. I, I think I remember that was the the first one I remember you talking about. I was like we have, we can't re- recommend this anymore. Yeah, like it just gets repetitive. That was the
0: fr- um, and the, the that and N.K. Jemison are really like we just can't talk about this oh. anymore. But then the calendar rolled over, y'all. So.
1: So, <laughs> <laughs> it'd be, like, how fast will you burn through? that? like, it'll be, are, it'll be done by April. Like, we have no, we already we hit our limit anymore.
0: for a princess in theory, which is Aly- Alyssa Cole's latest romance. Um,
1: oh, and it
0: came like we hit it before it came out. I'm pretty sure the book just came out this week, and we had already talked about it too many times on the show. So this is just what
1: what was the what's the recommendation request that gets you to recommend that one? A so princess
0: much? in theory, um, it's yeah. any var- like diverse romance, uh, romance with okay. a, a male lead that isn't a jerk. Um, hmm. romance with, about royalty that isn't about dukes I, uh, specifically I think is one that you know like people want they like the romance <laughs> right. and the, the um, especially now with like the royal wedding stuff happening again Do you,
1: any any ro- romance with viceroys? <laughs> just <a> specifically <laughs> I was like an archduke Viceroyce.
0: actually not a duke yeah stewards would,
1: stewards or um yeah, okay, that's that's interesting. Um, I've seen a lot of people talking about that book, but I wasn't sure what exact, What but it sounds so it's a couple of sub niches that yeah. Uh, I think it's the Prince the Harry for. Meghan
0: Merkel thing. <clears throat> that, when is that wedding happening? I don't. I don't know.
1: Okay, right. I don't need that. <laughs> I'm kind of hoping I miss it. Like it just happens. <laughs> and it's like oh, they're married. Yeah, and,
0: I get very know, like communist about it. Like the royal family is just a welfare. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I was trying to explain to Ames the um, the crown jewels
0: because
1: mm-hmm. uh, I had read Coenor and he was asking about my the book because it has a big diamond on the you know it's a giant diamond. He's like, what is that? It's like, well, it's a noor He's like, is it India? Still, it's like, no, the English have it. It's like, well, how'd they get? It? I'm like, oh, oh gosh, God. here we go, <laughs> loaded, loaded. <laughs> you know, yeah, so I'm like, well, it really, they, uh, an 11 year old prince gave it of his own free will to the. Like, okay, all right, yeah. So then we're down colonialism and the whole thing going on there, but uh, yeah. The Crown Jewels, uh, lots of fun. Uh, well, you read you've read our first sponsor, so why don't you take the first? sponsor? I have,
0: and I said on Instagram that this is the definitely the best book that I've read so far this year. It's a rough read, super rough, but I really liked it. And it is "Girls uh, Girls Burn Brighter" by Shobha Rayo. and this is about two best friends, uh, two girls who live in India. Um, they have you know three strikes against them when they're born. They're very very poor. They're girls. And they are really ambitious and the combination of those three things results in a lot of tragedies. So, um, the publisher is saying it's for fans of Rupi Kaur, which I get, but I feel like it's so much really bigger than that. So Mm. the, the book follows these two girls from India all the way from their like very small village, um, in India through big cities, uh, through Europe and airports in Europe all the way to like Seattle, um they're driven apart by lots of really difficult circumstances and those difficult circumstances are that they are both become involved in human trafficking. Like they are both trafficked and one of them is actually a trafficker. Um, so that's really hard to read and really interesting. And like from that perspective, I don't, I just never read anything like that. And then Mm. they get separated and they get separated really early in the book. And then like the, the last three quarters of it are just about their relentless search for each other. Like, so the whole book is, it's hard. There's a lot of violence, you know, human trafficking is, is, is a difficult thing to read about, but it's really about this like just devotion that these two girls have to each other and this friendship that drives them across like oceans against every conceivable oppressive circumstance hmm. to, to be reunited. So it's just right in the guts. It'll get you. So do go check that out. I really, really think it's, it's a must read. So that's Girls Burn Brighter by Shoba Rayo. Oof. I know. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I put mean, it's it down because you're just, like, it's the
1: best book I've read this year. Also, you're going to you're cry. You're going to cry.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. kind of. It reminded me a lot of like, I mean, I hate to say, I don't I, like Schindler's List. Like, I love mm. that movie, but I never mm. tell anyone to watch it because, like, oh, yeah. you're just gonna, you, all of your feelings will be on the floor, sad, <laughs> because they should be, right? Like, it's just a story that needs to be told. But like, sure, yeah, gird yeah. yourself. Hits
1: you in your sternum of your soul
0: just kind right of situation. There. Like, you'll. Yeah. I just stared off into space for. Easily 10 Maybe. minutes after reading it. Like, what did I, what? <laughs> what? What do I do now? Like, what do I do with this?
1: <laughs> so uh, a recommendation, a high recommendation, but also a beyond, you know, be, know what you're getting into
0: yes. is what you're saying. Yes. Yeah,
1: Definitely. All right, let's do some follow-up. Uh, so I'm going to just relay some follow-up we got from listener email, and then Amanda will respond to this as she sees fit. So we got, um, so the things that we've gotten... I, you know, I'm surprised by the things that don't get a response from people emailing us and also surprised on the things that we do get a response of. So let me talk about Rabbit Rabbit for a minute. So we asked about like six weeks ago, I want to say. Um, if if pe- you guys out there listening grew up saying Rabbit Rabbit on the first of the month, if you knew where it came from, if you didn't, where did you first encounter it? Rebecca and I were saying we didn't grow up knowing about Rabbit Rabbit, it's sort of thing we saw on the Internet. You know, our our, our good friend and colleague Liberty you know, that's a thing she does. I don't know where she got it. Who knows what goes on in Maine? Don't ask or tell. <laughs> um, and the variety of responses suggest to me that this is kind of like the origin of the phrase okay. Like there's a lot of different founts that people, a lot of different heads that people are, are attributing to the origin of rabbit, rabbit. I cannot for the life of me make heads or tails of, um, and I, that's not really a pun, I guess, of what this particular phrase is. I, we got people from the U.K. saying white rabbits on the first of the month is something they do. I don't know if that's a Lewis Carroll thing. I find it very disturbing and confusing. <laughs> um, but that's a long way of saying thank you all for writing in, and we got nowhere. Uh, there, there was a pretty loud contingent of people that were not unlike Rebecca and I saying we didn't grow up hearing it. Our first encounter with it was on the Internet. So I think there was a moment in which it, it caught on a little bit online, that it was a local... Um, or, sort of, a uh, custom or saying. Uh, it sounds particularly like it was in New England, but,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, I'm just not sure. Did you, do you know that? What, what's your own idiosyncratic experience with this particular phrase?
0: I hadn't heard it until Liberty yeah. said it. Uh, I've not really spent a lot of time outside of Virginia, though, so, like. Oh, okay. It's not yeah. a thing of Virginia. Other than that, we don't really have a lot of those. Like, the only thing I could think of is. Like, on New Year's Day, we eat black-eyed peas. Mm-hmm. You know, which but, is
1: a Greater South thing. Yeah, right? yeah, that's yeah. a big Southern
0: thing. But, yeah, I've never heard How of How do
1: you take it, your uh, black-eyed peas um, on New Year's Day?
0: Oh, well, I cook them with, uh, like, ham hocks and some yeah. collards.
1: hmm yeah. cornbread. Yeah, um, Michelle requires me to have at least a spoonful of black-eyed peas, which I usually bury in a big hunk of cornbread, kind of like a dog <laughs> with its medicine and peanut butter.
0: Aw, they're
1: good. For those of you who don't know, it's a good luck thing in the it South It is. It's Black like a
0: prosperity piece. money thing.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah. Who knows why? Probably some rabbit talking to it. I don't know. It's do like, it. the,
0: like how in New Orleans they do the king cake with the stuff shoved in it. Like, who know, knows sure. where that came yeah. from?
1: <laughs> yeah, who knows? I'm just saying it's one, of those, it's one of those things. So there's that. a lot of feedback about Scribd. Um, I was wondering aloud about, you know, Scribd went to this throttled unlimited model, basically where you're unlimited until you ain't. Um, if you're a power reader you read, you know, up to some threshold which they don't talk about Um, got a lot of feedback about people who had abandoned Scribd when they went to the sort of the credit system or there was credits but there was a pool of unlimited reading it was all very confusing Um, but a lot of people, and, and I was saying for me I'm not as interested anymore because Libby's good for me and people, you know, I wondered if Scribd was feeling some heat because Libby is so good and getting so much better and whether or not I'm wondering whether or not it was, you know, really eating Scribbs' lunch or they were worried about it or what have you. Listener feedback doesn't really help in that grand sort of strategic thing, though I think some of the answers into why people prefer scribb Libby as a combo, a lot of combo, I guess, is what I wasn't expecting, uh, which makes sense, is use Libby for a book if you can, um, but then also have scribb you know, uh, in your holster so you can you can get it out if you want a book immediately, something is isn't on Libby. I think the other thing I forget is the, the um, selection of what's available on Libby varies wildly depending on your local library system. So if you've got a really good digital collection, like it seems to me the Multnomah collection is very good. They have almost everything I've ever searched for, um, at least, you know, of, of recent vintage. But other people saying that's not quite the case. Also, some people saying they're if you live uh, not within the, the the continental United States, there's rights issues that somehow Scribd feels like they've gotten around to some degree. Oh. Like you can use Scribd internationally in some places. Now, I don't know if that's because your credit card is tied to a U.S. address or something like that, but that's if that's something you're interested in and you live abroad, you might check that out with Scribd that I hadn't really thought about because I'm not quite as provincial as never leaving Virginia, but I do not wander uh, too far outside uh, the good old um, U.S. of A., um, so I don't have much experience with that as well. And they're like, you know what, Scribd is so inexpensive. You know, it's eight ninety nine, and Libby is free. So I basically get if I if I pay eight ninety nine for both, I have the best of both worlds. I do think um, that the 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 frustration I'm hearing the most with it's not really a frustration because people understand it is the limitation is especially for audiobooks. The wait times can be can be intense. Like you can wait. 12, 14, 16 weeks wow. um, for something that's not even necessarily that new if your library system has one copy. Because um, if there's six people in front of you and they get a two-week thing, I think the other thing that happens with audiobooks is people don't, they may not listen to them. I've certainly been guilty of this. They decide not to listen to an audiobook, but they don't, they don't return it. It just sits there in your Libby shelf until it automatically reverts, so people aren't actively turning them over. Which might be something, that might be a a nice feature to note for Libby. Like, if someone hasn't picked up their audiobook in, like, four or five days, like, hit them with a notification that says, you haven't read this, you want to return it, just to keep the queue moving a little. So that was interesting as well. Um, We've guessed before that uh, amongst the Book Riot audience that maybe not the most ideal Scribd user for Scribd because uh, the, the metaphor I used was the high school football team at the cafeteria. Like you, you, if you're an all-you-can-eat buffet, you don't want only high school football players mm-hmm. as as clients. Um, but so far, Book Riot Insiders and people emailing the podcast haven't hit the throttling level as far as they can tell. Now, I don't know what that means. Maybe they haven't implemented it. Maybe it's, it's um, amortized over several months of usage. But so far, we haven't seen anyone hit this Theoretical wall we've heard about with Scribd at this new unlimited model—if you go beyond X number of whatevers, you're gonna get slowed down. So anyway, that's the follow-up there. Um, have you ever used Scribd before, Amanda?
0: I have not.
1: Yeah, and you—you you love your library, but I think just print, right?
0: Um, well, <laughs> that was true well. until we started really doing. Uh, until we started doing Get Booked, and then I got mm-hmm. I got. Liberty. Oh
1: right, I remember we talked about yeah, this
0: before. Yeah. yeah. Um,
1: How's your experience been with Libby?
0: I love it. I love mm. it. Um, I figured. I'm sad that I can't do it. Get it on my Kindle. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, I always have something going on my phone from Libby. Mm-hmm. It's just. And do nice. you do
1: audiobooks through it?
0: No, I still have no. an Audible account. So. Okay. And yeah, I had been uh, listening to this biography of Winston Churchill that will last still me forever. Just. <laughs> It's like when, you know, when I listened to um, John Adams, the David McCullough (laughs) biography of John Adams. Like, this is just what I'm doing for this season of my life. It's fine. I'm into it.
1: (laughs) Uh, There's something that that on audio that took me so long, and it felt like I was never going to be done. And finally, it was over. But, uh, oh, um, Management by Peter Drucker, 60 book, audio book about the history of business management. What? (laughs) Which even for me, who's interested in that sort of thing, was it maybe a little, uh, you know, business management, but too much, uh, a little bit with it. But anyway, that's I tried to
0: book. do the rise and the fall of the Third Reich on audio. Yeah, no, and come it was 46 on, forty-six hours, and I after like eleven hours, I was like, you know what? I I don't care. I know how this <laughs> ends. I know how this ends, y'all.
1: <laughs> Skip to the fall. Yeah. Um, anyway, there's <laughs> the rise is <laughs> not Scribd. so much
0: interesting. I'm done. <laughs>
1: yeah. So I would really, in terms of, I, I'd still like to hear feedback about Scribd. Um, as well, I would especially like whatever care canary is out there in the coal mine, whoever out th- if you do hit a limit, a notification that says thou shall not read this fast with Scribd, <laughs> um, I'd sure like to know when that happens, if you can tell us more about it, um, just as uh, uh, crowdsourcing our reportage here. Because um, it's been pretty vague about like w- what is the threshold and then what happens. I think it's still... Um, I don't know. It's still, it's still kind of floating out there. We don't know exactly what's going on. I also want to thank people for writing in about their responses to Rebecca and I talking about, um, I guess the broader me too moment, uh, especially has been publishing and publishing over the last few weeks. Um, you told some stories that you said not to tell and I won't, um, but I did hear those. I think I responded at least to say thanks for writing to all of those. Um, I, I I'm glad that Rebecca and I's expressed non-performative uh, uncertainty, wrestling with, seemed to be helpful, um, and seemed to be taken in in the faith the the vein in which it was intended of to be supportive, but also reflect our own thinking and um, try to see where we are about it. I think interestingly, to it inter- most interesting to hear from people that have to make. Collection kind of decisions, whether booksellers, librarians um, this is something um, we've thought about internally here about coverage um, Amanda's really done a lot of our thinking for us and and in charge of you know how we're we going to implement our uh, squicky nebulous feels in terms <laughs> of what we actually what what actually what actually internet we make, which is not hard uh, not easy to do, um, but I think librarians you know there's they have a responsibility to Provide the books that people want but they also then don't have to feature them on tables and you know turn them out and things like that booksellers have a different situation because they don't really have sort of a public charge um so they can if they wish not carry a book by x y or z and we've got some other names to talk about today unfortunately um just because i don't want to talk about especially this name i think is all the more reason to give it a few minutes um Sorry, Amanda, that you have to come along for part of this. Um, But that's part of it. So I I appreciate that. Um, You know, I hope some of you who have stories to tell um, will find an outlet if you want where, you know, some reporting can happen. Um, I pointed some people in some directions. I hope it works out. Uh, But thank you for writing. I really appreciate and uh, 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 take seriously the trust you've shown us. Um, So... On a, quite a, a slightly happier note, before we get to, yeah, you know, we have to deal with Sherman Alexie's situation, um, there, as part of our 250 uh, episodes, um, we have a podcast bingo in the show notes where you can listen along and follow along for some of... You know some of our shticks, some of our repeat repeating idiosyncrasies, whatever it is might be. You know some phrases will come to you, things like in your wheelhouse or things like that. But if you want to play along, it's something fun. We appreciate that being done, and those of you in the Book Riot insiders, especially that suggested squares, and to our designer Scott for putting it together. Um, it's fun. So take a look in the show notes. You can find the show notes to this and all of their Book Riot podcast episodes at bookriot.com slash listen, and you can um, navigate there. Or if you use a podcast player. Um, the links are in the, the episode description for this episode. So there's that. All right. Um, the name that I meant, in, the name I said I was the most upset about um, when we first got the real wave of children's literature naming happened um, in, after Anne Ursu's article, and then it spilled over into the School Library Journal Post comments. Um, Sherman Alexie was mentioned several times, and then we started after that to hear, I don't know, four shocks, I guess is the, the, the seismic term for this sort of thing, that there were a whole bunch of names um, and a whole bunch of people, and we started to hear some more, hear some more, hear some more, and we didn't, unless I missed it, Amanda, there wasn't the big, there wasn't the big piece about him before this statement. I'm not even going to call it an apology, uh, I have to say. It's not an apology. I don't know what this is. Um, he responded to the rumblings, the the talk that was on about there. Um, I don't want to read it directly, except to say, if you want an example of how not to do this, <laughs> I think this is it. Um, short, of, short of a flat denial, um, this is pretty bad. And I, again, I don't want to get into reading it especially, but he does a couple of things that are especially pernicious or especially hurtful um, that that I I just don't know how to deal with as a fan of his work heretofore. Um, That's ongoing. I'd say I feel worse about him now than before this was said, which I think is certainly not from an instrumental point of view what you want something to happen. A couple of things he does, and then... Amanda, you say what you want about this as well, or if I'm way off base here, please let me know, but he does some things about attacking one of the women who was speaking up that is not just hurtful to that person and impossible for a third party to evaluate, but very damaging in the wider context, because one of the reasons, um, and maybe one of the primary reasons, women haven't spoken up is because of being a uh, fear of being slandered, um, blackballed, fired, otherwise uh, retaliated, re- retaliated against. And the specificity and grossness of what he says about this woman was really disheartening. And I don't know, it doesn't even matter if it's true. Even if all of the things he says is true, he shouldn't have said it. Um, and then he goes on to say, these other women, they're telling stories. I hear them. I'm sorry if I hurt anybody, but I don't remember any of this. And then he brings his wife into it to some degree and it's just it's just a mess and it's also we I I don't know this doesn't matter. I don't know if I'm just hanging part of my weirdness about this on this it's also on this weird platform. Like what is this documentcloud.org thing? Yeah, I don't
0: know.
1: Like what is that? Like it's it's not a press release. It's like it's Some like weird, he didn't
0: want to put it on his website because he doesn't yeah. want it associated with his name. His publicist didn't put it out. Like it's like he tried to find a way to put it as far away from his professional life as possible.
1: Right. I think that's right. And there's just something very I don't know. It the whole thing is dismissive, but it's it's nasty. It's a nasty response. Um beyond what i've said what what do you notice about this particular response anything jump out to you or worth mentioning uh, in,
0: in i worse? got really and you, hung up on the 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 stuff about his wife like that seemed yeah. did he ask her before he made this statement i i can't i don't know i can't imagine my partner involving me in a public statement this way it's just yeah. so g- gross the thing the thing about it that I've been most wanting to like see somebody address or, or whatever is that it seems like a lot of the accusations uh, leveled at him have to do with his treatment of other native American women mm-hmm. whose careers he had a lot of control over. Um, and his, the thing that he says about that specifically, without really saying anything about it specifically is that they're telling the truth, but he doesn't remember it, which is a yeah, what is that move? Like, What is that, that mean? rhetorical I move? I have no yeah. recollection of threatening anybody or their careers. There are women telling the truth about my behavior. Like, which is it? Which, you know? I don't know. My feelings about this are so complicated because when... It, I have to admit, I, I maybe this is a personal failing or something, but like, when an accusation comes out against a person who's a member of a marginalized group, I always am like, maybe take a pause longer than mm. I should before I believe it, or not believe it, but I'm like, oh, you know. To
1: like, let it in somehow, like, uh, right? Just, you know, did, you
0: know. Like, was it a white lady who was, like, maybe a little yeah. nervous around him because she had some racial stuff going on? I don't know. Um, and then it turned out that he had been doing this stuff to other marginalized women. And so, like, I really need something better from him. Like, yeah. You know, like, I can't believe... I can't believe this. And he just throws those women under the bus. Like, Native American women have so much to deal with already, and now Mm. they have to be afraid not just of the oppression of white people, but of their own community. I mean, he was, you know, the face of Native American literature for so long, and and they've been having to deal with this. Like, Mm. it's just, it's garbage. I'm so angry (laughs) with Sherman Alexie.
1: (laughs) It it is difficult to think of someone in a more singular position of influence for their identity writ large than Sherman Alexie in the U.S. Um, And that, as far as we can tell, a massive betrayal of that trust. Um, Another thing that's weird about it, too, is since we never really got, we only got kind of, I don't know, loud whispers about what actually was going on he's not responding to anything in particular. So it allows him to sort of deflect and acknowledge at the same time because he doesn't have to respond to what he did. Like, what? what was it consensual relationships that if they talked about, they were. Was, he, was it all of it? What, like, what are we talking about? Because, like, I think that matters. Not that some is worse than the other, but, like, then we can, then we can understand what he's saying. Like, is he getting drunk at bars was, and hitting on women so hard, like Mike Cole style? That's bad. But, or is it... I just don't know. It's like, I did... People are saying I did some bad stuff. They're telling the truth. I don't remember. Also, that woman's garbage. Like, that's that's the response. Like, I don't know what to do with that. Um, so, well, anyway. She's,
0: I, there's... I think he was trying to get out ahead of it, because she... Uh, the woman who he's talking about and so being so nasty to is has an article coming out with NPR, right? That's mm-hmm. going to be talking about the the stories that she's been gathering and the women who have come forward to speak directly to her. So I guess we'll have that information, right? Whenever, but
1: and ugh. maybe it's important to him to try to discredit her before that comes out, right? That's like what a, I was in thinking. a Trump way, right? I mean, that's a Trump move um, to discredit a source, even if they're saying something true which is so, 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 so sad and wrong. And, you know, I guess, I don't know what we want from these apologies. I think that's something else we're wondering, like, do these these apologies do any work at all? Are they just sort of pro forma? Are they the road to some other understanding of these dudes or, or what? But I would say that, for me at least, some basic acknowledgement of wrongdoing and some kind of humility I guess are the what i 'm at least at the very least looking for, and i didn't even realize that before looking at this one, but that has neither of those it doesn't perform it doesn't even perform honesty or contrition um, and I, yeah I don't know what to say about it um, as disappointing i mean I, I guess there could have been a more disappointing response but it's very strange and It would upsetting. be hard to do. Yeah. It, it is. would be hard to do. Um, For someone upsetting. who is
0: such a good writer, this is such nonsense garbage. <laughs> yeah. Well,
1: again, I'm emotionally invested in the work of Sherman Alexi, and mm-hmm. you can hear even in my language trying to separate Sherman Alexi from the work of Sherman Alexi right. as I'm starting to do. But I remember last the year, the year before, when basically we had the yellow face scandal happen with the best American poetry that Alexei was editing. And he, he included uh, a poem by an author at the time he thought was Asian American, came to find out in the process of the book being published that it was a yellow face pseudonym for some, uh, a, a white guy decided to include it anyway, but then spoke openly about why he did, um, And I didn't, I didn't accept, I wouldn't have done what he did, but I thought the thought process that went into it, if I didn't think was right, I thought was not wrong. And I thought was thoughtful and took some responsibility um, and didn't want to sweep it under the rug. So so I had some hope, but I don't even know what that would have looked like. I still don't know. Like there's no 500 words that one of these dudes can write. That's like, you know what? All right. Welcome back. Uh, At at least I don't see what it is. So I don't know what I'm looking for, but it's not this. It's just, it's not this. Um, So a heartbreaking response. And that's that's just as a third party. I can only imagine what um, Native American um, readers, writers, um, people in his community are thinking, because it's a real blow. Um, I can only imagine um, there. Uh, So... There's that. I'll link to it in the show notes if you want to take a look yourself. Um, I'd have a stiff drink before (laughs) doing so would be my recommendation. Mm. Uh, Okay. Um, Let's see. Related news. Again, uh, Daniel Handler was um, going to speak, and I've forgotten, I think Trinity College up in Connecticut, I think it was, was scheduled to be the commencement speaker, and uh, not going to happen. And they're replacing him with Anita Hill, which is just yep. so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> uh, respect. Yeah, <laughs> and,
1: and I, I can't remember now what we've talked about in insiders versus on the show versus in internal Slack. But for those of you who don't know, there's been a lot of stories told about Handler just being gross in social situations. I guess I guess that's what it is. Like, say making inappropriate remarks in front of multiple people about one person and being much looser than I could ever imagine being appropriate about sexual gender talk. Um, and again, this is one of those, I think Rebecca was saying, I don't know what to do with that because it's not the same as his other behavior, but it's still nasty and yeah. bad. Um, but there's some, there's some consequence happening there. Um, You know, I'm starting to hear some other stories about other people. I guess we're just going to do this for a while. We'll see what happens It
0: is our moment, yeah.
1: It's our moment. And
0: it's so, you know, I was thinking about this last night and how, (laughs) you know, when you're a parent and you hear your kids are upstairs or whatever on a different room from you and you hear crash, 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 and then you just kind of freeze and wait for the screaming Mm. to start or not start before Mm -hmm. you get up and go see what happened i feel like that's what i'm doing like i'm hearing crash 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 and i've just frozen like i'm just frozen Mm. and i'm like waiting for for the screaming to start or not start like i just i wanted to kind of settle before i feel like i can really have any kind of thoughtful reaction other than screw all of you (laughs) you know so i don't i don't know it's definitely it's like it's our moment it's gonna be a, a while we just gotta Write it out. We all knew this was coming. Like we knew it was coming for publishing, we and we've just been waiting. Is it, for as, it is is it
1: worse or is bad? Like, what did you think? Because it also, I mean, I guess it also hasn't touched some areas of publishing where I thought I didn't think it was going to start in kids lit. That's just me, but I'm not yeah. as clued in over there, so that's not what I was expecting.
0: Um, I wasn't either, but although it makes sense to me because that audience, um, or at mm. least not maybe not audience. I mean, not children, obviously, but like. The uh, you know kid lit Twitter and and the the publishing mm. community around that that part of publishing um, are very like they're very vocal and um, vigilant vigilant yeah yeah they are yeah. so it's it's not surprising in that way but it's not also not was that, not what I was expecting I was expecting like I don't know oh now his face is in my head and t- whatever it doesn't matter um, yeah. like you know literary fiction. Dude.
1: commercial adult books. Like right. That's, you know, um, so, you know,
0: um, and you know, we,
1: we've said before and one, I think you're right to point out that one of the reasons we don't know how to process this is because it's still happening. Like we're in the middle of it. Um, and to be unsure about what to do while the thing is happening is probably, uh, not just understandable, but also probably responsible. Like don't, don't try to do the work before the thing is over, and it won't be over. Over, I shouldn't say that, but. Um,
0: but there's you know, an like, obvious like first wave kind of yeah you know? right
1: right right. I mean, and probably the seven stages of grief is something we'll you know of uh, is we'll probably go through like you know in various stages with various people. Um, and so I, you, you know, know, I've
0: gotten to the point now where like I I get you know a dozen books a day from publishers and every yeah. time i get a book from a man now i'm like Ooh, i just don't know
1: <laughs> of yeah i mean i don't know what to say i mean uh, we i don't want to push people too hard and i got some responses about like you know i i can't it's anonymous comments and this things i just can't i don't know i can't take that seriously is the wrong word but i can't believe it in the way that i would mm-hmm. believe something else which i which i totally understand um, but on the other hand, like the benefit of the doubt is in the wrong direction. Like the burden of proof is, is we've, we've flipped our burden of proof for the moment and maybe it won't always be like this. I'm sure it will happen that there'll be some Russian troll campaign against someone with fake, I mean, you know, you know, this stuff is going to happen at some point uh, just because it's a little too easy is the wrong word, but you don't, at this moment, you don't need a whole lot um, to get the ball rolling. I think what's going to stick and be the most helpful is if there is a group of women who feel comfortable enough to say, tell their stories about individuals together. Um, And while we're in the storm, I think we're just being buffeted back and forth by, by the weather. Um, But it seems to me going forward, that's the clear path I see for how these things, we can process them as a community, as individuals, is a pattern of behavior which people will talk aloud about. And so the first thing I think that is happening is that women, feeling comfortable is the wrong word because I know they're not comfortable. Um, they're not so afraid of consequences or they're willing to deal with the consequences to enact change, Right. Like- that they're telling their stories in a way they haven't before.
0: I totally understand and relate to the feeling that an anonymous comment on a blog is not actionable. Like, what do I do yeah. with that, right? Right. But at the same time, there's a reason why women make these admissions anonymously, mm-hmm. because the consequences of, of attaching your name to a negative story about somebody who has a large fan base are huge. Mm-hmm. You get death threats, you get rape threats, yep. you get harassed, you know. Um, your own career is on the line, your own publishing career. So there's a reason why why women come forward anonymously. Um, but yeah, also at the same time, what are we as readers supposed to do with that? Like, is one anonymous comment about a, a writer you like enough to get you to stop buying that writer's books? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no, there is no right answer. There's no, no black or white objective. Uh, 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 moral choice there. <laughs> it's, yeah. just, it's all shruggy for me right now,
1: right now, Right now, for me, it is. It's enough. Yeah. Right now, for me, it's enough. Mm-hmm. Um, for whatever it's worth, for those of you listening. And some of it is because there's a lot of books. And there's a lot of women that write books. And, you know, it's not... There's no, there's no author that is so dear to me at this point that I would deal with, uh, I don't know, discomfort. Of living with, you know. Now, maybe that won't always be true. Like, maybe maybe there will become a time when it's sufficiently socially acceptable enough for someone to tell a story about something that happened with them that that will become necessary for us to believe an accusation or a story, that you put your name to it. I don't think we're there right now, but it could be that's a future. Like, we expect if you're going to tell a story about someone that you will put your name to it. Maybe that will be our new normal in the future, but I don't think... I don't think that's what we can expect right now. I think we have to be in this intermediate stage for a while between whisper network and sort of 60 minute interviews where yeah. you spill your guts, right? Like that's where we are. Um, and we're going to be here for a while. I don't think it's going to change anytime soon. Um, that's my sense of it. Okay. Um, let's do a store. Let's do a sponsor. I am going to read this. This is like, a, this is like built for me even <laughs> be, just because there's a couple of reasons. One, it's called A Lab of One's Own by Patricia um, Farah. And here's the synopsis. Many extraordinary female scientists, doctors, and engineers tasted independence and responsibility for the first time during World War I. During that time, suffragists had mobilized women to enter a conventionally male domain such as science and medicine. In fact, Millicent Fawcett declared triumphantly that the war revolutionized the industrial, industrial position of women. It found them serfs and left them free. But the truth was very different. Although women had helped the country to victory, they had lost the battle for equality. Men returning from the front reclaimed their jobs, and conventional hierarchies were established. A Lab of One's Own tells the stories of many women, including mental health pioneer Isabel Emsley, Emsley, I, don't, I didn't have a pronunciation guide for that one, chemist Martha Whiteley, and botanist Helen Gwyn Vaughn. Um, and they're all enlivened by quotations from their personal letters. It includes a substantial discussion of Ray Strachey, who was Virginia Woolf's sister-in-law, and eminent suffrage leader. Examines how the bravery of these pioneers, temporarily allowed into a closed world before the door slammed shut again, paved the way for today's women scientists. So this is A Lab of One's Own by Patricia Farah from Oxford University Press. So it's got a, it's got a Virginia Wolf connection. It kind of sounds like Lab Girl, mm-hmm. which was one of my favorite books from a couple years ago. It kind of has sort of a, a League of Their Own vibe, which was one of my favorite 90s movies.
0: <laughs> and it's about early 20th Wait, century, what? which is like my...
1: My domain knowledge. So, like, there's like a whole bunch of Jeff uh, uh, Vectors going on here. I'm very excited for this. I, I need to see if there's an audiobook. I don't know if there is, but if there's not, I'm going to pick one up in print. Very excited to see this. Also, it's intellectual history and science history, and so I'm interested in that. Um, thanks to them for sponsoring the show, and that's A Lab of One's Own by Patricia Farrow. All right, let's do some happy news. Uh, well, happy or we knew this was coming, but we got some more detail. Um, we got the name and release date... For Michelle Obama's memoir called *Becoming*, oh. it's coming in November, November eighteenth.
0: Thirteenth.
1: That's right. So that's I said right minus five. Just take away five <laughs> from whatever number I say, and I'm, I'm close. Uh, I, that's really all we. There's a little bit of synopsis, which is I don't think tells you much. Um, a retail price of thirty three bucks, which means to me it's going to be long. Like that, generally you can tell it's going to be a long book. And it's the first installment in this multi book joint. Uh, Michelle and Barack Obama book deal that they signed for sixty five million bucks or something I can't even remember what it is now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was some is some wild number, but multi book multiple books from each of them. But this is the first one that will come out. We don't know if she's going to do narrate the audiobook. That's the one. That's the one thing I start, started people seeing first. Is she going to narrate it? We don't know anything about a book tour. Oh, she is. Yeah. Oh, I missed it. Great. Um, I'm excited to hear that. <laughs> Um, But certainly to be one of the big books of the fall. Interestingly, after the election, I don't know if that matters. You know, it's a week after the election. I I don't know. Isn't it weird? Ex-president's relationship to American, you know, sort of ongoing American politics is so odd, but it feels especially odd now.
0: I have never. I mean, you know, I'm only 33. I haven't lived through tons of elections yet, but like this feels very different it's. Like, I don't know. It, it feels like the Kennedys walking amongst us. Like they're, the Obamas have become this kind of living yeah. memory.
1: Right. And they're out there. They are much more than I remember. Again, I'm not that much older than you, but like. I mean, W know, went like,
0: away and painted on his ranch, right? For like yeah, that's what he's right. been doing this whole time. And, and,
1: and his and, and his dad was president, and some of it, I think, him was getting out of the way for his son when Reagan was gone. He was already older. Carter's been out there doing stuff but much more under the radar philanthropically like internationally he hasn't he's been making a difference but he hasn't been a part of political life and it does feel to me like Barack and Michelle especially are are like they haven't gone away to the woods but they're not like in the thick of it either they're kind of on the margins they sort of jump in a little bit or give an interview or it's it's interesting and I don't know yeah I don't know if if it was president Marco Rubio would would they be acting the same way? Do you see what I'm getting at? Like, I don't know. It, it's fascinating. And um, Clinton, when he was out of office, he left under such a cloud, and then Hillary's career became ascendant. That he got out of the way, I think, for multiple reasons. I understand. So it's it's fascinating, but um, certainly I, I can only. I, it has to be the most anticipated book of the fall. I can't even think of anything that comes close.
0: You excited? I yes, I am. I um, my life. I love her so much. I mean, who doesn't? Everybody, everybody loves yeah. Michelle Obama. She was like the most popular American living, you know, in the middle mm-hmm. of his, um, presidency. So she's gonna go on tour. I like living where I do because I'm pretty close to D.C. Yeah, so I, I was just a lot gonna of those say things. that. Yeah. I'm sure Rebecca and I will <laughs> nab tickets like we did. Caravan
1: with, to when Alexandria, Virginia or wherever it is. It's yeah. It'll
0: probably be, I mean, you know, Hillary did her release at um, politics and pros. So mm-hmm. I'm sure uh, Michelle will do the same thing. Michelle, my friend, my friend, Michelle.
1: <laughs> Flotus.
0: <laughs> my friend, Mich- Michelle Obama. Um, um, yeah, I'm sure that if we had a less tyrannical president right now, right. The Obama's Cause the it's not just
1: that he's a Republican. No, it's not just that. Right? It's,
0: He's neither. Like, he's he's mm-hmm. an apolitical psychopath. But if we had a normal person in office, mm-hmm. now I'm sure they would be on a beach somewhere.
1: He'd be much more like um, the younger Bush was when Obama was elected. Like, you know, he was doing the library and philanthropic work, but he wasn't like, I don't know, feeling like he was always at the margin, ready to, to give a big interview or say something or appear somewhere. And I, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. It's just different. Um, also, the Michelle running for stuff clamor has died down it seems to me
0: i didn't like that
1: Yeah, you know, i don't I just just all, I, I guess other people's you know biden or oprah whoever else it might be elizabeth warren you know cory Burke, they've kind of taken on the who's going to be next but when it was the end of the obama administration it was like oh yeah michelle could do it it doesn't seem like it doesn't seem like a, she's motivated to but also the the people singing for her has died down um as a candidate so interesting. Okay, let's see. Where are we gonna go next? Uh Hero of the Week.
0: Yay! You wanna take this one? Sure. I really like yeah. this story. Um so Baghdad now has its first female bookseller. And that's so great. Her name is Bara Albiyati. Uh she has an engineering degree and is only she's only 29 years old, which is just amazing to me. Um She has an engineering degree but couldn't find a job couldn't find a job she's a big reader and there's this one street in baghdad um where that's like the center like their literary center of the city i guess where most of the bookstores all are um and she liked to go there and bookshop and all of that and then while she was unemployed a few years ago she asked one of the booksellers if she could work there as a volunteer like just to do Mm. something with her time and run their social media. So she did that. She like ran a bookshop's Twitter and Facebook and Instagram account for free for 3 years um, and sold books there uh, until a, it was a uh, until a bombing happened in uh, 2007. And so last year she decided she wanted to open her own bookstore and publishing house. So she got she's got financial backing from her parents and she's opened this bookstore and is selling books and she's published even, six books uh, so far that are all about love and the role of women in Iraqi society. She's taking a really interesting angle in that she's trying to stay away from politics or religion, which I... Is that possible when you're talking about the role of Iraqi women in society? I don't know. I mean, mean, she would obviously know better than me, so like, Godspeed. Um, But I just love this. I love it so much. So now it's, you know, it's a very traditional... um, Social uh, position, book selling in in Iraq and in Baghdad, and mm-hmm. she is just like she's exploded. She's got an, a weekly segment on their local TV news where she talks about books. She's got this like really popular YouTube channel where she talks about books that are being translated into Arabic or that have been recently published in Arabic. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just amazing. She's like doing the thing.
1: Yeah, it looks like it's it's uh, the it's like you know got a bunch of shelves and like a really cool onto the street kind of cart slash it looks like Chelsea bringing it in and out of the morning as well. So it has a very like market kind of feel. It's, it looks really cool. It's a, it's a, re- I mean, I guess if you're the first woman, um, doing the bookstore thing in Iraq, you, you're sort of inherently political. Like you don't right. have to overtly talk about politics. Right. Um, like your existence political. is a statement. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, uh, and she also is saying her, uh, says here that, um, she also would like to, uh, establish a non political women's rights organization. Like, as, be a part of a larger, I don't know, organization, movement, structure, um, and use what, what she's doing as a model um, to get other people involved. Yeah, really cool. I, I highly recommend take, checking this out, reading the story, and looking at her YouTube videos, link in the show notes there. All right, let's see. Where are we going to go next? Oh, uh, we got two heroes of the week. Dolly. You know, we have talked about Dolly. We talked about Dolly Parton's Imagination Library before. Um, we have occasion to bring it up again because um, Imagination, the Imagination Library has now donated Oops, 100 sorry. million books. And the 100 millionth is going to the Library of Congress uh, to com- commemorate the organization and um, all the work that they've done. There's a really nice interview with Carla Hayden and Dolly Parton, who link in the show notes there, Um, If you don't know, the Imagination Library, it's an interesting model where it's a parent organization that provides the structure for local instances of the Imagination Library to exist, to take donations that then they turn into books that they distribute to kids um, that, I can't remember the age, I think it's under four or five, early literacy is is their goal. And it's intended to get books in the hands of kids that may not have them otherwise, but you don't you can just sign up for it. Like my kids, we did the Imagination Library when they were really young. Um, you could get books, and, and it depends on your neighborhood or I, your zip code. I can't remember how the jurisdictions run. But if you're interested in A, uh, getting books from the Imagination Library, you can go check that out. But also, you can start your own chapter. Uh, You can start your own local organization of the Imagination Library and, you know, they'll help you out with um, fundraising ideas and, you know, buying the books at the discounted prices and postage and the whole making the thing work. So it has this federated sense, um, but that her organization, and her commitment to it has been ongoing and severe, uh, intense, you know, really committed to doing it. Um, So if you didn't know, now you do, that Dolly Parton is... North America's book fairy. Yeah. Um, she gives and, and books
0: go. to 1.1 million children a month.
1: It's a, it's amazing. It's I an mean, amazing organization. And, you know, if if you've slept on how interesting of a person Dolly Parton is, this is only one corner of her many interesting things. Um, I, I, I don't know that there's a good Dolly Parton biography out there. Maybe th- she's not is there
0: no there's not she I, I think has a memoir that is out of print you know. but I, we were talking about this in the contributor slack a few weeks ago like we're all just waiting for somebody mm-hmm. to get on writing uh, you know garth brooks just is writing like a five volume navel <laughs> gazing who cares i want a dolly parton five volume biography <sighs> this is what i, want. Yeah.
1: I love garth yeah. brooks, but
0: not. Nah, come on no,
1: no. yeah it, it's it's fascinating fascinating story um and I, I, I don't really know – one thing I don't know is like how the books are picked and everything else like that. I've seen them around a whole bunch, um, but 100 million is not a joke. It's, it's like probably a meaningful percentage of the children's book publishing industry, right? A million books a month? be fascinating to know. So two heroes of the week, um, women kicking it hard out there on behalf, uh, behalf of books. I'm going to do another sponsor. I Stopped Somewhere by T.E. Carter. Ellie Freus disappeared long before she vanished. Tormented throughout middle school, Ellie began her freshman year with a new look. She doesn't need to be popular. She just needs to blend in with the wallpaper. When the unthinkable happens, she finds herself trapped. She's not the first victim, and now she watches it happen again and again. She tries to hold on to her happier memories in order to get past the cold days waiting for someone to find her. The problem is, no one searches for a girl they never noticed. In the first place, T.E. Carter is a debut talent whose passion for speaking about rape culture and sexual assault through fiction came from a deeply empathetic place. Uh, it's an issue she cares about and is vocal about. Fans for Speak, Girl in Pieces, The Way I Used to Be, and The Lovely Bones. That's I Stop Somewhere by T.E. Carter. T.E. being the letters T, the letter E. Carter. Thanks to them for sponsoring the show. Uh, let's go on to things I am ambivalent about. <laughs> <laughs> the golden man booker which I, I don't know it's a, it's a little bit of a golden snitch thing going I don't know the name is weird um, but it is as if you don't know what the booker prize is it's the United Kingdom's leading prize for fiction and it's uh, to mark it's 50th year it's going to take a look at all the previous honorees and then have a public vote for the the victor of victors the golden booker so the best of the best um it 's a one off that we 'll see all previous fifty one winners in a competition, which i i don 't know what the I guess they 're just going to be on a piece of paper that 's the they're not the books aren 't going to like do gymnastics <laughs> or something to to win our votes um it 's weird there 's going to be a short list called the golden five i mean they 're just sort of stacking the the marketing stuff what 's weird about this is okay whatever it 's fine, but there was already one of these ten years ago called the best of the Bookers. Which was won by Salman Rushdie's *Midnight's Children*. Um, so uh, I guess, sure, fine, that's okay. Not that interested. Um, but it's one of the. Why do this? I guess like the Booker has a prize every year. Maybe they shouldn't. Maybe they shouldn't have done it for forty. They should have just done it for fifty. Yeah. Just save it. Do it once. Because really, really, what it now is saying, it's to be, it has to be one of the things published in the last ten years. To beat Midnight's Children is like, a, knock, it's like a, it's a knockout round. I don't really get it. <laughs> um, anyway, so each – yeah, it's weird. Like each judge will get a 10-year decade to pick one winner from, and then the five list will be open to a public vote. So really what will happen, whatever is the most famous name that comes out of the last five will win this. Uh, yeah, Festival in July – Will uh, give us a winner. Can
0: you imagine? It's going to be what if? What if like? What if it's one of the Americans? Oh my that god!
1: <laughs> it's like, I don't think we've talked about this on the show, but there what there we've heard rumblings from um, publishers that they don't want Americans in the Booker anymore. It's not coming from readers necessarily. We've we've heard from plenty of listeners, especially uh, uh, across the pond, that don't like the Americans being in there. But the publishers don't like it because. It takes away juice from the British authors, or the even Commonwealth authors. You know, it doesn't have to be British, which makes sense, right? If you're a British publisher, you want all that publicity juice available to to homegrown or you know non-U.S. authors. Um, when we're just we're just we're just taken over over there, they don't like that. They don't like it. Okay. It speaking of speaking of weird promotional things, Joe Hill. Uh, is releasing a vinyl first, that's right, vinyl first short story uh, as an audiobook called The Dark Carousel. And I don't know, Amanda. <laughs> why,
0: why? Why? Yes, why?
1: The first printing will be limited to 2,500 copies. Uh, Um, I guess. It also
0: includes a full-length download. We're talking about it. I put
1: it in here. We're talking about it. So the joke's on me.
0: The vinyl package includes original artwork, two colorful splattered records. I don't know what that means. And a full-length download of the audiobook. So you do get a download. I was kind of confused about, Mm -hmm. like, I get that this is a marketing thing, but who owns a, a record player I mean, I know it's, well, it's having a moment or whatever, but
1: actually Amanda, no, I mean, I happen to be reading this book called the revenge of analog uh-huh. and there's a chapter in about, and a lot of people do, and it's younger people, especially like, yeah. you know, long be the purview of like old dudes looking for, you know, I, I don't even know what they're looking for old Led Zeppelin records. Uh, now it's just young dudes them. looking
0: for old Led Zeppelin records. It,
1: well, young women are the fastest growing segment, um, which is interesting I don't really, the, the theory is that people, as you know, we have Spotify and streaming, and basically you can get all the music you want for a very low cost, but you don't really own anything, and there's something substantial about buying a record and owning it. I don't necessarily subscribe to that mentality, but that's the description. But like, from like the, like the mid-90s when I was in high school, was just the nadir of the, the vinyl industry, since then it's grown by like 25-fold. And the other part of it, too, is that artists can make more money selling vinyl than having their stuff streamed on Spotify. Well, that I'm
0: here for. Yeah, that's cool.
1: It's kind of like buying a hardcover from an indie, right? It's not the most, um, I don't know, from a buyer's point of view, it's not the most rationally efficient in terms of like minimizing the amount of dollars you spend, but you feel good about buying it and that, you know, the, 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 the artist is getting more and a higher percentage of the money. Um, that goes to it and uh, so that's interesting i think an audiobook is tough um it flies in the face of everything we've seen about the growth of audiobooks which is that having basically audio, audiobook players on your phone is the thing that's making that happen but we're talking about it it's harper did, collins they like to try stuff
0: amy there you go. amy poehler did this didn't she she released a vinyl version of there was
1: a version yes, yes but Please. it wasn't exclusive right um which uh, this also doesn't say that it only will ever be available as vinyl. I think this is a publicity thing to get dopes like me to talk about so that people know that there's this thing happening and then when they can buy it wherever
0: they'll go buy well, it. Well, it's not but, right. You, I mean, when you buy it, you get a doubt, a full like download.
1: No, no. I just mean after the fact, like in six months, I bet you can buy it on audible oh, right. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that's my get. Cause it doesn't say buy now or forever. Hold your peace. Um,
0: well, it yeah. looks like the thing is... Ra- okay, well, I mean...
1: I, uh... But we're going to hear more about this because this is the inaugural project in a new vinyl-first series.
0: No, stop. See, Harper just...
1: Audio, in partnership with uh, with Vinyl Label Acts, will publish a vinyl edition of, wait for it, the full-cast recording of Lemony Snicket's... Stop. ...a series of unfortunate events.
0: That's an, that's an unfortunate uh, event.
1: <laughs> yes, that's right. Hey, oh, uh, thank you. For those you. of you who don't know, that Daniel Handler is... Lemony Snicket, yeah. so they're probably um, not thrilled that this is the next one coming out. But a, a full version of this is going to be like 20 records. Like that's the, the thing they don't say about records and audiobooks is you have to have like 40. You just There's not that much time. Like I've looked at pictures of the original, um, I think it was the National Foundation for the Blind basically published the first audiobooks as records in the 30s. And, like, they're, like, 40 records tall. <laughs> it's, it's a horrible, it's a horribly unwieldy thing to do. So I don't know what's going to happen with this. But it's happening. If you like vinyl, good on you. Yeah. If this is interesting to you, great. Um, interesting.
0: If you're a Joe yeah. Hill completionist, maybe. Do those exist? <laughs> like, is that a thing?
1: Well, it's probably Stephen King completionist right, who trickles down like, to Joe Hill's if, catalog. If King
0: right. really, or, if like, J.K. Rowling decided that she was going to release a new short story yeah. on vinyl... People would snatch that you know, shiz up. So, you know, does he have that same kind of?
1: I don't think so. I
0: don't know. Yeah, yeah. I could be wrong. I mean, nobody does that, like J.K. Rowling, but you know what I'm saying. Like,
1: no, no, but but the, you know, there are authors who have a hearty and uh, loyal following that would buy anything, and I don't know if he's one of those kinds of people. Um, has a good following, but how?
0: How good? How voracious good? They Joe, are. How good is your following?
1: That's our show, Amanda.
0: Woohoo!
1: Thank you for joining us today. Nice to hear from you, as always. Go check her out every week on Get Booked with Jen. Uh, You can find links to everything we talked about at bookright.com slash listen. And we're going to be back next week. Talk to you later.